welcome to the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. This is episode number 17. I'm Dan. Sitting across from me is Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. On the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast, we talk about a brand new comic book that's released this very week into your local comic book shops. We also talk a little bit of comic book and related news, as well as what comics came out this week and are coming out next week. And this week, we will be breaking down the story and art on the brand new number one from Oni Press. Bob? We are doing Lamentation, written by Colleen Bunn, and art by Arjuna Arjuna Sassini. I'm glad you said all of that, because (laughs) as you know... While we were preparing before we hit record, I asked you the names of all of these things because I knew I wouldn't pronounce them right. And I completely forgot that you have to announce the book and the creator. So thank God for that. It it falls on my shoulders. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Luckily, luckily I'm pretty good at pronunciation. (laughs) Yeah. Much better than me. Uh, We can all attest to that. We'll be right back after this short break. We are back. Bob, let's talk some news. There's interesting news this week. James Gunn news? (laughs) No, actually. I have no James Gunn news for you. I didn't make a very, very special James Gunn news bumper yet. So That might be the first time (laughs) in how long? I... A long time. Yeah, absolutely. A very, very long time. But I do have some DC news. Bob, some big news that I'm going to surprise you with because you apparently don't know about this news. No, I don't. You, <laughs> yeah, you surprised me when you said the big news, and I'm like, what news? Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to tell you this news. We have a new president of DC Comics. Do we? We do. And his name is Jim Lee. Jim Lee is the new president really? of DC Comics. How crazy wow. is that? Wow. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Super cool, though. Jim Lee... Obviously, highly prolific in the comic book industry. He's done a lot for comics and and the 90s. And a lot of artwork on Batman. A lot of artwork on oh, Batman. Yes. So I a think, lot of good artwork on Batman. Yeah, exactly. So DC is a great home for him. Not that he's wow. been far away anyways. But, but the president of DC now... You know, in all honesty, I could see some directional changes over at DC because I can't speak for everybody... And you and I have talked at length about how we're a little bit more into like Marvel and I'm a little bit more into independence than, than DC. Of <laughs> course, I will go ahead and say, like I said on the episode, the last time we talked about this, um, I every DC book that we've done on the show, we both really appreciated yep. and liked a lot. So it's not yep. that we're DC haters or anything. It's we just, just lean more towards Marvel. Yeah, I, I think. And, you know, for me... If we want to get into that discussion or, or justification or whatever, it just has to do with the characters for me. I just identify better with with the characters over at Marvel. I'm just, for one, DC's flagship is Batman, and I just don't like Batman at all. I'm not a Batman fan. Um, I, I've i read, like, a few Batman stories that I'm okay with, but it's just not my thing. Like, it's right. just, I, like, a rich guy dressing up like a bat, like, as a vigilante and, like, and having like a clown guy as his main villain it's just it's not interesting to me. I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. So whenever we get like deeper into Batman stuff and there's other things going on, his relationship with Selina, his uh, some of his other rogues, of course, like you know some of the really silly ones, and then 
Um, His rooftop rendezvous with Babs. <laughs> yeah, some of that stuff I, I liked a little more, but the classic Batman, Batman Joker type of thing, Batman with Robin as a sidekick, I'm just not into. Like, I just don't. Right. Like so, so that strikes, that's like strike one for me with DC. And then on top of that, same thing with the Trinity. Like, I, I like Wonder Woman. I can't say that I dislike Wonder Woman at all. But they overused the tr- Trinity? Yeah, and Superman. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's so... I don't know. I can't say vanilla because, of course, you know as well as I do. We read that new volume. We both really liked it a lot. But just overall, just Superman. And I understand all of the importance and history and everything. I'm not negating any of that. It's just... In my regular comic book reading, it's not typically something I want to read. I'm just not that interested. I identify, of course, way better with Spider-Man, with X-Men, with with those kinds of people who actually have weaknesses. Yes, absolutely. And then on top of that, of course, we know I'm big into horror books. Not to say that DC doesn't have some great horror, because they do. They've got the Justice League dark stuff. They've got the uh, Swamp Thing stuff. Like they, They definitely have stuff over there. I even like how... Some of that older and and newer Animal Man stuff crosses over into like horror territory, but there's just the horror I read over at Marvel I appreciate a little bit more. Of course, being you know, Man Thing and stuff like that, and all the creature mm-hmm. stuff from from the early days. But but I don't know. I I think that this could be like a, a a good thing. I think this could be like a good directional change. Of course, Jim Lee knows what he's doing with comics. Oh yes. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I hope that there's some kind of shift over there. I'm tired. I think I think with DC just just on page, we're talking. We're not talking any movies, anything like that. Just on just on page, I think that there's like a I, they're in a weird spot right now because they're to me they're producing way too many Bat titles, way too many Bat and Joker titles. I think that that could be streamlined a little bit. Also, as far as like continuity with those characters, I think it's too spread out and there's too many different things going on that don't make sense. So I think under his leadership, maybe that could be tightened up some. The continuity could be a little bit better. And I don't know. Uh, we talked about this before, too, the, the variant cover thing. Now, Marvel and DC both equally guilty of this, but it, it needs to be toned down. Like There needs to be something done because it's just it's too much. There doesn't need to be 50 different variants of <laughs> Batman number 900 like I'm sure there will be. Le- will be. Um, <laughs> let me let me tell you a quick story at the risk of our local comic book shop owner listening. So um, our local comic book shop owner is a great guy and usually really hooks you know both of us up in our pools and everything. Obviously right. discounts, obviously a, a, a great comic shop owner. Nothing bad I can say about the guy. I can say with Batman and Detective, he always puts every single cover in my pool. So <laughs> normally I'm fine, you know, and I'll grab the three or four covers. And, and that's non-incentive covers. So mm-hmm. like all the regular covers. Right, right. So, you know, three or four covers of, of each, not too bad. And they don't usually come out on the same week. So it's not horrible. But today when I had 37 copies of Batman 900 that were... $7.99 a piece. <laughs> I just put most of them oh. back. So I grabbed two wow. and, and that was it. Just grab the two that I like and, and put the rest back because I mean that's just too many. And there's nothing in there that I want. Right. I'm most likely never even gonna get around to reading Batman 900. So 
I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think, and, and again, I know that DC is very famous for doing that. They do their legacy numbering on those big numbers, and then they do like a whole bunch of variant covers for that. I get that. It's just, I don't know. It seems like a little much to me. Hey, but like you said, Marvel's guilty of that too. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, my Avengers comics, their legacy, mm-hmm. what is it? <laughs> 800 and I think it's um 830 840 something on the legacy okay yeah probably so yeah. they're <laughs> as guilty as DC is yeah absolutely it's just again I, I think I think the whole industry needs to look at variant covers and tone it down a little I think sometimes it's a little too much like like you said it is Marvel right now. We've got Spider-Verse variants for each book. Why? For what purpose? And again, if you're... Which I know there's a lot of people out there who are comic book completionists. Oh, God. Especially on issues. Yeah. But you're talking about having to hunt around mm-hmm. for... Multi, like 20, 30 different variants. Yeah. You know, shelling out, you know, upwards of triple digits oh, for yeah, a absolutely. certain variant. Sometimes, sometimes more, because by the time you get to that variant, it's already gone up in price. Yeah, it's skyrocketing. Yes. I think back, you know, just a, a few weeks ago, I think that the Alex Ross Timeless Villain variants wrapped up, and even that was a huge task. Like, that's... And, and you're a huge Alex Ross fan, and I know mm. you didn't grab every one of those covers. No, I, I maybe... I maybe to be honest, I maybe grabbed one. Yeah, I grabbed the Venom because I had to have that. But <laughs> yeah. I, I grabbed the I grabbed the Galactus just because I thought that was such a cool cover. Oh yeah, well they were all very cool, all very nice covers. But yeah, it's just God. And then you get into things like I didn't you, I didn't get any of the black and white sketches though. <laughs> oh God, I, I don't want to the no, one in one hundreds. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, I don't want to shell out. Was it 70 $80 a pop for yeah, him? Yeah, oh yeah, a lot. Well, I think, and then you get into those, and then think about how if you're digging through boxes or whatever, that's not even identified on the cover what book that is, so you've got to either know or flip it, you know, open it up or flip to the back or whatever to find out, so... Yeah, it's 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 a little much. You know, it, it's weird. I'm I'm I know it's a I know it's a Superman cover. I I can't remember what issue it is, but it's weird considering the first recognized variant was only one yeah. variant yeah. of that book, mm-hmm. and now it's evolved into again for your you know big titles. You know, you have like. 30, 40, maybe more variant covers. Yeah, and it's it's just crazy, and it's it's completely expected now. You you don't have a single book that just has a cover. No. Everything, at the very least, has a B cover also. And it, it almost makes you just wonder why, you know, what's what's even the purpose. But. See, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, like B and C covers, but when it gets into, like, you know, the incentive the <laughs> unlockable one per store yeah. mm-hmm. or something something like that and i'm also fine with you know certain shops having their own well yeah that, know, that's very... a different story yeah i mean they're they're raising money for their shop they're selling an exclusive whatever that that makes sense i get that 
But when it when it comes to like unlockable and like mm-hmm. one in ten instead of one fifteen, yeah. one twenty, one twenty five, you know, so on and so forth, it it's a little much. And it makes you wonder too, what's the purpose when they do that? Because you're always gonna be looking to that higher incentive for the for the higher price, or maybe not always, but a lot of times. Nine times out of ten. Yeah, you need to get that one in twenty five or that one in one hundred. So what are you gonna do with the one in ten or the one in five? It's not really doing much for you. You're paying over cover price for it, and then it's not holding much value. So yeah, it's it's just interesting to think about. You get caught up a lot of times if you. I, and I'm completely guilty of this. I know you are too. Sometimes you just go into the comic book shop on on New Comic Book Day and just see cool covers and start grabbing things and see incentives and, and say, I got an extra $25 to burn this week, whatever. And then, you know, you don't really plan out your purchases and then right. you end up taking, you know, a, I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred dollar hit where, whereas if you planned it out and only got what you really wanted, you'd maybe spend, you know, like 150 or something like that. So the, the one thing I do like about multiple variant covers and i don't know if this is an underlying idea of why comic book industries do it Mm -hmm. you get to see all different types of artists yes do their spin on that character exactly and and i like that too i'm good with that i don't know it's it's a weird subject it is it is i don't know um but yeah just uh, of course we're talking we're still talking about jim lee taking over dc he's the president now uh, but yeah, just it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes come about because, mm. of course, now we're seeing big, big changes on DC uh, in the pages, on the screen, whatever. There's there's lots of things happening at DC, so that's exciting. It, it's exciting to see what comes out of all of this, and, and I really like Jim Lee. I'm really pulling for him. I think that he can really, really do something with the DC. Yeah, I, I think most people like Jim Lee. Yeah, I, yeah it'd be hard to find very many people who have a problem with Jim Lee, I yeah. think. Unless there's something we don't know about. Maybe he's been canceled online for calling somebody stupid or something. But... From a comment made <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> 10. But, uh, in, in other news, and I'm most of this is DC-related, but this one is a, a Marvel kind of thing. I don't okay. know. Um, I guess, I, I don't know if officially or unofficially, Margot Robbie has been offered the role of Sue Storm. Have you read this? Have you seen I've this? I've heard about <laughs> that. Yeah, how do you feel given that she's such a big on-screen DC character? She's Harley Quinn, so and now she's Barbie, and then to have her come over as Sue Storm too. See, I'm I'm not opposed to that mm-hmm. because I mean, look at Chris Evans. Sure. I mean, he was you know Johnny Storm, basically yep. mm-hmm. you know class clown. Yep, and he was also known for not another teen movie. You know, which was a comedy spoof movie. And then he transitioned after Scott Pilgrim, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where he played one of the evil exes, right into Captain America. (laughs) And at this point, can you see anybody else in Hollywood playing the role of Captain America? Oh, no, he is Steve Rogers. There's no one else. Exactly. So the the only issue I have with Margot Robbie is... And this is this isn't her fault. Her, this isn't her fault personally, mm-hmm. because I do think she's a pretty good actress. Yeah, but I just have an issue of: Are they going to 
recreate Jessica Alba's Sue Storm. See, I wonder what they're doing with the entire Fantastic Four, to tell you the truth, because, I don't know, uh, of course you think of Fantastic Four, and, uh, I mean, I personally don't think of them as, like, you know, they're not, like, super serious or anything all the time. Of no. Course it's, like, more no. of a... I, I don't know. More, lo- more like, like a, a more yeah, more like a family. Yeah, and and it has all of those dynamics and stuff, and of right. course her with Reed Richards and everything. But I don't know. Like when I think of Margot Robbie, I think of this. Uh, I I wish I knew how to explain it. Like this this comedic like tone to her. Well, see, and I think a lot of that is because you have Harley Quinn in your mind. Sure, sure. I mean, she's she's been playing the role long enough to mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, she's kind of pigeonholed. Sure. And then, of course, same thing with Barbie. You know, that's that's not going to be a super serious oh, uh, biopic on Barbie. Or not like at that. all. If you watch the trailers, it's a different... Not at all. It's, it, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's <laughs> definitely not going to be... Uh, you know, uh, like uh, Scarface or uh, <laughs> yeah. anything like that. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, again, like I just wonder what kind of tone they're going for mm-hmm. with with Fantastic Four. I wonder what they're doing because, like I said, it's it's not super serious or anything. But I am starting to get the feeling that that's what moviegoers are looking for. They want the quippy like you know, joke thing. Like they're yeah. kind of done with that. Um, I'm, I'm personally okay with it. I, I'm fine if, if it needs it, whatever, but that's kind of the Marvel model. And, and now, you know, a, a lot seeing, seeing what's going on in these DC movies, the blue beetle trailer and the flash movie and stuff. It just seems like they're just remaking old Marvel movies to me, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I feel like Marvel's sorry. Like Marvel needs like, some kind of tone shift in, in the MCU if they want to keep it going, if they want people to be excited about these big projects that they're announcing and everything and, and big actors and all of that. Now, in other news on the same same subject here on Fantastic Four, and you and I had talked about this outside of the podcast, the, the not news, but the weird rumors that are going around about Mila Kunis <laughs> as the thing. Let's talk about this on air because I'm interested to know what people think. Now, I think right off the bat, whenever somebody says that or you hear that news or whatever, the first, the first thing that anybody thinks is, well, Ben Grimm is a dude and why do we need to gender swap the character. I don't care about that. I have no problem with that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with gender swapping. I'm okay with different, uh, I don't know, viewpoints of a character. That doesn't matter to me. I am... <laughs> I, I just don't know. I, I think that if they're going to be focusing on their origin story and everything, where obviously, or, or where they put them in, in their timeline of, of development... Are we going to be seeing a lot of Mila Kunitz if she happens to play this character? Are we just going to be hearing her voice a lot? Like, what's going to be going on here? I, I just, I just can't see her, um, you know, giving off a Ben Grimm the thing vibe. Well, yeah, definitely. I, I guess the only thing I could see is 
you know, she could definitely have that. Well, I used to be like, I used to look like a supermodel and now I'm just a rock thing. Like, so that I, I get that part of it. Sure. Much better to me than, than Michael Chiklis. Is that, <laughs> I, I don't want to see that guy again. Is that the guy that played Ben Grimm in the, uh, I didn't think he was terrible. He wasn't terrible. I just didn't want to see him. I just, I, I don't know. Look, Fantastic Four is a big deal for Marvel, but it's it's low stakes for me. I just don't care that much. I like Fantastic Four villains much more than I like the Fantastic Four. I think that they're just not. I, I don't know. I'm I, I've probably read four or five Fantastic Four comics in my life. Well, some of those being Ultimate. So, and adding and adding onto this, one other rumor mm-hmm. that I talked to you about yeah. outside of the podcast. So the rumor is that Galactus is supposed to appear, mm-hmm. but from now, from what I'm hearing, the Silver Surfer will not be his herald. So I mean, could be anybody though. He's got a billion. So from what <laughs> from from what I'm hearing, his herald could be Terax. Ah uh, yes, yes, you did. Mention so that. how would you feel about that? How do you think the overall movie going audience would feel about that? I think that that would be okay because we've already had Silver Surfer. Maybe they're saving him for a, a different project or something. I could see that being beneficial. Other than introducing him here. Do you think people would know who he is? Well, no, but I i mean, I generally feel like people that weren't in the comics didn't know who Thanos was either. This is true. So is, I do. I do remember being in the theater for that Avenger stinger uh-huh. with a couple of buddies of mine. Mm-hmm. And he turned around. Next thing you see, you see a bunch of phone screens. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who's this? Exactly. Uh, they're all Googling. It. We we know we knew we know exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. We knew exactly who he was in the theater. Yep. But just just looking around and seeing all these phone screens taken <laughs> out. Yeah. Everyone's like, hold on a second. I don't know who this guy is. I I, I assume he's probably important, <laughs> but but who is this man? Which ten years later he turned out to be very important. Very, yeah. So Man, I don't know. Fantastic Four is is confusing. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know what they can do to make a good Fantastic Four movie. I don't know if as as long as it's more exciting than Fan Four Stick. Well, please, but <laughs> I look. I don't even think it's casting. I don't think that that's the problem with Fantastic Four. No. I think the, the cast in the first two Fantastic Four movies were were fine. They worked fine. Listen, I will always say. I thought Julian McMahon did a good <laughs> job as Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was fine. Yeah. I will always say that. I know there are a lot of haters. I thought he did a good job as Doom. Well, I look. I think that a lot of people maybe only hate that because he was in that horrible, horrible show Nip Tuck, which was one of the worst things ever created. So I can understand why people wouldn't like him. But yeah, as as Doctor Doom, I agree. But yeah, the um. The guy, and I definitely can't pronounce his name and won't even try, who <laughs> played uh, Reed Richards. I think he was miscast. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
Jessica Alba was definitely miscast. Uh, but she was Jessica Alba. I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, stereotypical eye candy. I mean, it's a whole... Mm-hmm. That's the only reason Megan Fox was in Transformers. Sure. And she complained about it, but I mean, it's <laughs> like, come on. We all know why you're in there. Yes. There's, I mean, it's not because of your thespian acting. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't the chops. You're right. <laughs> Be for that thumb thing she's got going on but uh let me not thumb shame anybody i'll probably edit that out but all right we we might as well move on we could <laughs> we could nick pick this entire movie yeah we we definitely could but but yeah uh the next little bit of news and, and last little bit of news that i'm going to talk about because there's a lot of little news here and there but i'm not going to talk every single thing that got uh, optioned this week or whatever it's not right I mean, I guess we could go down the list really quick and just and just say something about them. Of course, we have an update on a Babylon 5 animated movie. Uh, super uninteresting to me because I've never watched Babylon 5, so whatever. I, I've never either. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's sci-fi, so I mean, I, sure. I'd, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it, but I've just never... I, I have no ties to it. Of course, a... Uh, Bugs Bunny live action slash animated hybrid film in the works. I uh, I could care less. I couldn't care less. I, I can't think of how to say that correctly, but not a Looney Tunes fan anyway, so I I doesn't matter to me. Um, maybe if there was like a cool like Wiley e. Coyote thing, I, I could get behind that. But I I hear about that and I get uh, that Looney Tunes movie live action hybrid with yeah, uh, what like was it Brendan Fraser? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, Sweet Tooth Season 2 premiered, and it has been approved for a Season 3. No surprise there. Sweet Tooth, if you've not read Sweet Tooth, you definitely should. Sweet Tooth is a very, very good book, and it translates over as a good show as well. Met Cadet um, will premiere on Netflix August 10th, and that, of course, comes from the I think it was a Boom Studios book. Yes, it was. It was from Boom Studios. It was Met Cadet U uh, that released back in 2017. And then we also have a an Alien series with um, Sidney Chandler cast as the lead in, in, in that television show, I think it's going to be. So, so that's pretty much all the all of that news. The other big piece of news that I had here myself was just something that I picked up off Reddit today, actually. It was pretty interesting, and it was a production designer on the Flash movie who was quoted saying that the Flash movie is so good, you will forget all of Ezra Miller's crimes. And just, I mean, you you can imagine right now just scrolling through the comment section on that. Everyone was like, dude, bad, bad thing to lead with. Bad, bad thing to yeah. say. Like, even if the movie's amazing, why would you say that? Like, the, he's yeah. at, at the very least accused of some pretty horrendous crimes. And come on. <laughs> that that production designer may <laughs> want to just go ahead and take down all his social media accounts. Because I can almost guarantee he's going to get so much hate from that comment. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know why you would say that. No, I, I mean, don't either. It's maybe, maybe I mean, to be controversial and 
drum up some buzz for the movie. I don't know. Yeah, I get, I get promoting a movie, yeah. but I mean, what he did was reprehensible. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I just, when I saw that, my jaw kind of oh, hit the floor. Wow. I was like, I can't believe they don't have, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> they're allowing these people to go out and say things like this. Now, of course, you don't know what people are going to say, so so whatever, but man, that's that's not yeah. not a good... You don't know what people are going to say, <laughs> but when you know the entire Ezra Miller situation, yeah. you know what people are going to say. Yeah, um, yeah, not a not a good no. look for no. for that movie or DC or anything. No, no that him himself. So, so with that being said, let's let's move on from some news and, and let's get out of news. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about. Some new comics that dropped this week at your local comic book shop. A battle for humanity's future is being waged on American soil right now. The cannabis plant has been used by humans for thousands of years. And yet, it is still severely criminalized in much of the world. But the world is changing. Yay! In the U.S., 37 states have legalized cannabis for medical purposes, and 18 have done so for recreational use by adults. In Illinois, legalized cannabis has spurred an explosion of new businesses and products, all bringing in a massive stream of newly created revenue that other states are eager to match. Yet federally, cannabis faces much of the same resistance of the 1900s. How did marijuana get such a bad reputation? Why is it still so federally restricted? How are smoking and vaping different? How many edibles are too many? Which companies are coming out with the best new products? And who benefits from keeping Mary Jane in the dark? These are the types of questions we'll attempt to answer on the Cannabis Man podcast. A thorough look at all things cannabis, from its history to its explosion in states that have legalized it. So look out for the Cannabis Man podcast, coming soon wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast, episode number 17, to talk about some comic books that dropped in your local comic book shops as well as digitally this week. Bob... From Dark Horse, we had the new number one, Survival. Image Comics had a new number one called Star Signs, which actually sounds pretty damn cool. It's like something about the constellations falling to Earth and giving like, a, as I don't, I don't remember how many constellations fell to Earth, 12 or something, but they give those 12 people powers. Wow. Sounds interesting. Sounds like a it whole does. universe building thing there. So mm -hmm. hopefully it it's does. executed well. Of course, from DC, we had Batman issue 900 or 135 or something. I don't know, whatever actual number it is. But yes, Batman 900 with all 900 of its covers. <laughs> We've got a Peacemaker series with Peacemaker tries hard. I skipped it hard, so <laughs> I wasn't going to get into that. Uh, we also had a new number one, new volume of Shazam. <laughs> skipped as well. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Because I know how much you love Shazam. Yeah, just, God, Zachary Levi will forever tarnish that character for me. I don't care if it becomes the greatest thing in the entire world. All I see is Zachary <laughs> Levi, so I'm done. But 
From Marvel, we had Star Wars issue 34 with a big first appearance. This book is blowing up on the secondary market. This was kind of the it book this week. We had Edge of Spider-Verse number one and another new volume in Edge of Spider-Verse. This also has a first appearance of the Spider-Killer, who's really cool looking in on one of those variant covers there. We had Carnage Reigns number one, Cult of Carnage Misery number one, with the first appearance of Liz Allen as Misery and Corwin Jones, who becomes Madness. Who comes up with these names? Corwin Jones? That's not a real name. My apologies to all the Corwin Joneses out there, but it sounds fake. It's not a, a literal <laughs> name like Peter Parker. Well, I love those kind of names. Those are fun. <laughs> those are easy to remember. I just call those superhero names. Every time that anybody has like a you know first their first name and last name, letter. Name. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. We had Demon Wars Scarlet Sin, the conclusion of the Demon Wars, supposedly. Bob, there's a group number one this week. I know you're super excited about that. We also have Spider-Man number eight that, uh, again, this is blowing up on the... I, I can't say blowing up, but this is selling for overcover on the secondary market because it has the second appearance of Spider-Boy. So... And if you can't get your hands on this <laughs> Spider-Man 7, then yes. why not go for eight? Sure. And I think that people are doing that thing right now where they're like, well, technically seven is a cameo and eight is the first appearance. So Ah, the Hulk 180, 181 argument. So I'm sure in, I don't know, 50 years or something, uh, Spider-Man number eight will be uh, equivalent to Hulk 181. So Mm -hmm. let's hope so. (laughs) Um, But I would like to point out that that character is also getting a solo series, which I just found out this week. Is he really? Yeah, and our uh, local comic book shop owner told me that. He's got a store exclusive uh, that Tyler Kirkham is going to be doing for it. Nice. Yeah, so so that will help jump that up and solidify the character a little more. I'm sure you'll be getting that cover. Well, yes, I will. (laughs) Absolutely. We also had... Uh, Spider-Man 2099, Dark Genesis, Alpha or something. I don't know, one of those really long titles. But as I talked about last week, that's got first appearance of Carnage 2099 and Blade 2099. 2099. I really believe in Blade 2099. I would definitely pick that up if I was you. I'm not trying to sell you one. I don't have stacks of them over here. I just think that might be a good one to invest in. No, I, I gotta say, Blade 2099, wouldn't that be regular Blade since he's a vampire? <laughs> well, yeah. But... Aren't vampires immortal? He's like half vampire, right? I mean, Still, Maybe he's, he he's, just ages at a slower rate. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. We've got Star Wars Yoda 7 and X-Men Before the Fall, Sons of X, number one. We also had a new number one for Mad Cave this week with Monomyth, which sounds like a cool title and has a very cool cover, but I don't remember anything about the solicit. Those are the new books that came out this week. You can still head over to your local comic book shops and try to pick one up. We'll be right back. Back with the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast to talk about our discussion of Ani Press's new number one. Lamentation. Thank you, Bob. So I'm going to read the synopsis from the previews website really quick. 
and then I'll get into the creators and my synopsis. But from previews, they say, from the mind's eye of master story storyteller Cullen Bunn and rising star Arjuna Sassini. Yeah, I really need to do on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll edit out the blank space so we sound less awkward. But yeah, Arjuna Sassini. Thank you for that, Bob. Comes a darkly glamorous tale of bone-splintering terror at the intersection of shadow and light, dream and nightmare, life and the grim specter of death himself. Now that does sound like a Rod Serling introduction there. I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> you can't get any more ominous than that, uh, than that description. Yeah, that was pretty ominous. After weeks of grueling rehearsals, a new production is, in, is set to begin at the famed Requiem Theater. Resides lament three acts of gothic horror set inside a haunted castle with a story that some say is mere fantasy. Under the stern rule of dedicated but temperamental director, the script seems to be ever-changing and more mysterious. Still, our lead actress has found herself cast in a role of a lifetime without so much as an audition. Her grand debut is fastly approaching, and with it, a barrage of razors in the night will terrorize audience and actors alike. There's no exit, no escape, and when the curtain finally rises, Razad himself will take center stage to cross the threshold into the unholy darkness that lies just beyond. Whew. That's a Twilight Zone episode <laughs> yeah, right there. That, that definitely is. And that was, I, I was very scared I was going to say something incorrectly. <laughs> I think maybe I nailed his name. Maybe is it Razad? R-A-Z-I-D-E. Good enough. Good enough. All right, good. We'll go with that. So let's talk about the creators for a second. Bob, we're going to talk about Colin Bunn. And how do you talk about Colin Bunn in 2023? Because everybody who's read a comic book knows who Colin Bunn is. But I'm just going to go over his list of accomplishments really quick because that's really all you can do. Because, man, Colin Bunn has written a million comic books and some of them really insanely good comic books. Everything I've read of his, actually, I really like a lot. I haven't read a lot of his superhero stuff, but as far as his indie and horror stuff, I, I love what he does. So Cullen Bunn begins writing published comics around February 05, and the first credit I see for him is issue number four of Future Quake. From there, he did some stuff for Oni Press, including The Damned and Six Gun, he did some Fear Itself tie-ins for Marvel. He did Deadpool Kills Deadpool, as well as Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. He did Fearless Defenders, which I absolutely love. Uh, a really, really good run on that. He wrote some for Venom, as well as Monsters Unleashed and Magneto. And then, Bob, let's not forget the epic, epic comic that he wrote with Tyler Crook on art, Harrow County, which is from Dark Horse one of the greatest books of all time. He wrote Wolf Moon, and then he began writing on Moon Knight in 2015. Over to DC, before DC rebranded with Rebirth, he was on Aquaman and Green Lantern, The Lost Army, as well as Lobo and Sinestro. For IDW, he wrote for Micronauts, and he wrote on Uncanny X-Men with Greg Land on art. He also co-wrote Drax with CM Punk. He wrote The Empty Man for Boom Studios. 
Conan the Slayer for Dark Horse, and for Aftershock, he wrote Unholy Grail, Dark Ark, The Brothers, Dracul, and Witch Hammer, as well as Unsound for Boom Studios, Star Wars, Darth Maul for Marvel Comics, Venomverse, and Bone Parish, one of my favorite comics of all time. If you've not read Bone Parish, you definitely, definitely should. Really cool book about, I don't know, taking like dead people and grinding up their bones and stuff, and it's like get you high or something. It was a really, really fun book. Really crazy book. With Empty Man in Harrow County currently being optioned or in some stages of production. Now, let's get into this artist that you're so kindly going to remind me of how to pronounce her name. Arjuna Sassini. And we should be saying that correct because this is a very good artist. I, I like this artist a lot. <laughs> so, Arjuna Sassini was born in... Somewhere in Italy that I can't say, so, uh, so we'll just say Italy. And sorry if our listeners are Italian. Yes, uh, very sorry, because I can't even pretend to speak Italian at all. So He was born in 1984, so Bob, he's a little bit younger than us. Mm -hmm. He graduated from the International School of Comics in Florence in 2008, hmm. and in 2011, his first comic, Bullet Ballad, was published. And he's done art on Heist or How to Steal a Planet, Mystery of Pi, and The Replacer. Again, not a lot of credit under his name, but I really like this artist a lot. Yes. Some really cool stuff there. Now I'm going to get into my synopsis of the book. So sit back, grab a drink. Kick your know. feet up. Yeah, exactly. Grab your cigar or whatever it is you kids are doing <laughs> these days. So this book opens with Something that I really appreciate, actually, which is a really cool page of, like, the cast of characters. I, I kind of really like it when they do that. They did that in the Great British Bump-Off as well, and I'm kind of a fan of that, especially whenever you're being actually introduced and it's not, you know, Spider-Man number 14 or something. But, but yeah, when it's a number one and everybody's unknown, I like that. Uh, followed by our lead, Jennifer, as she talks on the phone to her mom about the audition she's headed to. She comes up on a super cool-looking theater and opens the front door. She enters and watches for a few moments as the others rehearse their play. And then she meets Mar Marguerite. Marguerite, sorry, Marguerite, who's the director, and who immediately casts her in the lead. And Jennifer finds out that the previous lead is gone. After Jennifer meets the others, she reads the script while they rehearse. And Marguerite invites her on stage to join. As they read lines. Now, here's where I'm going to say, here's the, I don't know, the part I'm going to have trouble describing to anyone listening who hasn't actually read the book. We're transported, sorry, transported to what's happening in the play. Um, right. Like a full like set with costume and everything. It doesn't look like a play. It looks like we're just actually there in the thing that they're doing on the play. It, so. it, it, it does. It reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of Transylvania meets Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to have to take, you know, you as the listener in and out of that in, in some way or another, but I'm going to say we're transported to the make-believe world of the play, which takes place at the castle of Prince reside jennifer and two of the other girls are caught outside in a horrible horrible storm they then enter the castle where they learn that the prince's bride 
had a deadly accident of some sort. And now one of them will be chosen to be his bride. So then back to the stage, Jennifer slips on some blood. And again, back to the stage as in we're not in full costume in the castle and everything anymore. We're back in the theater on the stage. So Jennifer slips on some blood. She gets a little upset and wants to go outside for some fresh air. And then as she tries to find a way out, she can't. And she's told that no one can leave until the play has been performed. Back to the fictional play land of the castle area. The girls become upset as they're told that one of them must marry the prince. And then back on stage, Jennifer talks to the others about not being able to leave. And she learns that some of them have been there for months, somebody up to seven months, without leaving or seeing or talking to any friends or family. She also learns that the previous lead hung herself for a way out. Back to the play, the prince picks Jennifer... And in the real world, we find out that no one knows who plays the prince, and he only comes to the stage in full costume and never sees any of the others. Jennifer becomes very upset and goes to find a way out again. She enters a props room, and we see someone following her with a knife as the issue ends. So this is insane. Like, this is... I I don't even know... How to, how to lead with, with our discussion of this book um, before we get into like our breakdown of the beats and art and all of that stuff. This is just like a wacky book, and, and you, you've you referenced The Twilight Zone a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yep. I completely agree with you. I'm a huge, huge fan of The Twilight Zone, and we're talking the original run with Rod Serling as the narrator and, yep. and host of the show. And yes, it is just absolutely giving me those vibes. That could definitely fit in with the world of the Twilight Zone so well. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I was expecting, when I, when we, <laughs> before we started the podcast, I even said I expected Rod Serling to come out and do his whole submitted for your approval. <laughs> yeah, it definitely warrants, like, a narrator or something that would yes. work very, very yes. well with this book. But I do like that the we're not really given any exposition or anything. I, I like that. Now the twilight zones the same way. They'll, they'll give you some backstory, but they don't usually provide much exposition. No, the they twilight don't. zones usually big on its twist. So, so that's, and of course, you know, we can see at least some of the twist coming here. I assume that Colin Bunn being the good writer that he is, there'll be more surprises along the way, but, mm-hmm. but we can see kind of what's going on here or, or at least what I think is going on. And, in in this first issue, I think this is a one of three. If I'm correct, this is just going to be a three part. Just a three part. Yeah, each each issue at like forty eight pages though, so so that makes sense. It's uh, a cool story that's that's being fleshed out and fully told. So I like that. I guess let's go ahead and get into our discussion of the the story and art beats and everything. Um, as far as the story beats. You know, we're, we follow Jennifer as she comes to her audition and pretty much from, from the get-go, we're just thrown into the world of this play and what's going on. This is all about the play. Of course, we have like little side quests of, of understanding that they can't leave the theater and getting to know some of the other characters a little bit and then the actual play itself, but... This this works really well for me. I think this is absolutely wonderfully written. I think that 
Colin Bunn did such a good job uh, adapting this into a comic book and writing this here. I think the story beats work really, really well. What are your thoughts on the story beats? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought, you know, I thought there were, I mean, like, you know, we said there wasn't a, a lot of exposition or mm -hmm. dialogue, you know, to slow it down. Yes. So, I mean, it, it goes right into, you know, the main character in her audition, mm -hmm. you know, meeting everybody, finding out that they can't leave. Yes. And then, <laughs> you know, her being um, stalked for death. I mean, it, it basically, it's a free-flowing, you know, narrative. So, I mean, as far as story beats, it does what it's a comic supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder, you know, it made me it made me wonder too and I think that that's important when you're reading something like it how how do you feel if you're in this situation, you know, you walk into this audition, of course like Jennifer you'd be absolutely perplexed and horrified and 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 mad, you know, why can't I leave? Why why is no one leaving? Mm -hmm. Why is everyone okay with, you know, eating sandwiches and stuff instead of trying to find a way out of here? Why can't anyone leave until this play is done? I mean, uh, I guess just think of how horrifying that would be, how, yeah. how you would feel in yeah. that situation. I can't get out of here. Um, I have a big problem with that kind of thing. That's a huge fear of mine, just not being able to, like, open a door and walk out of somewhere. Well, and then to find out, um, they, they say it in uh, one of the panels, if the audience... Mm -hmm. In air quotes, because we have no idea who the audience is. Yeah. <laughs> if if they don't like it, then, I mean, it begs the question: Do they get another chance to do it, mm -hmm. or do they have to find a whole new cast, which that's not that doesn't bode well for the current cast? Yeah, I completely agreed. I'm. I don't know. This is. This is. It's making me nervous already, and it I feel like it's playing on some kind of fears, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely what makes it, uh, again, like you said, like Twilight Zone-ish. Um, it's, it's playing on some of those insecurities that we have. Uh, of oh. course, no one wants to be stuck somewhere well, yeah, until you and, can't I leave. Mean, or, yeah, nobody wants to be held against their will. Yeah, of course, of course. So, so I mean, what is going on here? Are they, will, will this book wrap up with, you know, them performing the play and then us not knowing if, if they get to go home, will it end with them going home? Will it end with them having to be there forever? Will it end with, uh, them, I don't know, being in hell or something like who knows what's going to happen transported to this whole other world. Mm -hmm. It's, there's a lot left open on this first issue, which is really, really good. And it's, it's written in a way where you just want to know what's going to happen next. So I, I really like the way this is written a lot. And and I don't mean to hijack our, our review here, but I just have to point that out. I, I really like the way this is written. So as far as the narrative of the story, I, I think this one's a little hard to talk about. I think that the straightforward narrative works very, very well, and it makes a lot of sense. I think whenever we go into those moments where there, where, where us... I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is it just us as the reading audience is transported to the fictional world of, of what's going on in the castle there, of what's going on on the stage as the play, or of the play? Is that really happening? That's the only part that I'm confused about here. I, I don't know exactly how to read into it. 
and maybe I'm not supposed to read into it. Maybe it's just supposed to be a visual depiction of, of them rehearsing the play, but I'm confused by that. I actually like that I'm confused by it. I like that it's not straightforward because it leaves some mystery in this, which the whole thing is a mystery, of course. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's happening, where these people are, why they can't get out all of the stuff that I've already said. But I think that it's it's good that it's that we don't know what's going on with that. Because yeah, I think and, that's gonna pay off later. Yeah, and in a horror book, you you know, you want an air of mystery. Mm -hmm. You know, you want you want that M. Night Shyamalan yep. style twist, <laughs> yeah, which definitely. this book definitely has. Yeah, and and I think it'll, I I think they'll pull it off. I think it'll wrap up really nicely. Mm. Um, so how about the dialogue then? There's, there's not a whole lot of dialogue in this book actually. For forty eight pages, this is a a really quick read. It's a really easy read. Mm. It's, it's not dialogue heavy, but everything that's in, that's is important yeah, is, is every, written out. Every, yeah, yeah, everything, everything that is said dialogue wise has a purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's not like somebody saying something for exposition's sake yeah. or somebody saying something as like a throwaway line. Mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's either you know, it's either explaining. You know why they can't leave. Yep. It's explaining who the characters are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's explaining uh, Jennifer's frustration. Yes. And questioning, <laughs> you know, why they can't leave. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And look, when I first opened up this book and I got past that page that introduces the characters, and then we got into Jennifer walking up to the theater and talking on the phone to her mom, I can't lie, I was a little scared because... To me, I sometimes that's like a cheap way out, a cheap exposition dump. You know, somebody talking on the phone like, hey, here's what's going on. And let me tell you all this stuff right now mm -hmm. at the head of the story. I was nervous that that was going to happen, but but it really didn't actually. No. And it was used to a huge advantage just kind of to put us in, a, in this place in time and introduce Jennifer and... I feel like it was super relatable too. I feel like how many times, you know, even, even myself is like, you know, I'm almost 40. I call people all the time when I'm going to do something I'm kind of nervous about or something. When I go to do something for the first time or when I'm doing something by myself, you kind of get in that weird space where you're like, I don't want to walk up to this, you know, awkwardly without anyone to talk to, or maybe there's like a line of people and I just look lame walking up by myself. So let me be on the phone with somebody or maybe I'm nervous, so let me get out some of yeah, that. Yeah, you, 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 you kind of want to pass a little bit of the nervousness uh -huh. along. Yeah, and I, I honestly felt it so relatable. Once I got past mm -hmm. that page, I was like, wow. You know, in all honesty, if I was going to this audition, I would have done the same thing. I would have called somebody up or or whatever. I mean, maybe Jennifer's mom called her, but either way, it's in here. So, so I would have called somebody and I would have been like, hey – you know, here's what I'm doing. Hopefully it works out or, or whatever. Uh, but, but I really like, I like how that was played out a lot. I, I really did like that. And, and again, we talk about like the dialogue here. I think that you might naturally want a little bit more explanation of why these people are so okay with being here for seven months or four months or whatever, why they're not like freaking out and breaking windows or whatever. But it seems like maybe it's kind of implied, like, 
everyone knows what's going on here. Or They've or, accepted their... Yeah, maybe not that they know what's going on, but they've seen, you know, maybe they have, like, ran around banging on glass or something trying to get out, and it's just, they're like, okay, this isn't going to happen. Maybe they've accepted that fate, mm-hmm. like you said. So, mm-hmm. so I think that that works, too. So let's talk about the world building, then. We have a world that is completely set in this theater, other than whenever we're transported to the castle. Outside of that, we just have, you know, Jennifer on the, the two pages where she's outside in front of it. So mm. so there's not much other than those two locations there. But how do you feel about this theater and the tone and everything, the world building here? And then whenever we get into, I don't know, uh, again, the, the world of what's happening in the play. I, I personally really like it i like the tone a lot i feel even though it's huge and open and all of that i feel kind of the claustrophobia of being stuck in there like i feel like it translates over to the page so well i i would wonder if you know maybe colin bunn experiences some of these things and that's why he's able to translate it so well yeah they they definitely built a a world that it's kind of like you know when she first gets in the theater Mm-hmm. You know something is not right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even when they go to the, um, they transport to the uh, fantasy world of the castle. Mm-hmm. You know something's not right. I mean, you have, you know, the unnatural storm going on outside. Yeah, and, which I love. That storm looks so great. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, uh, th- this whole world really, really works um so let's talk about the art then let's again talk about uh please please remind me of this name how you pronounced it arjuna sassini yeah arjuna sassini okay so man this is kind of like a dream team here i i feel like they work so well together colin bunn usually works with very great artists like i said he he's worked a lot with uh with Tyler Crook on Harlow County, and we know how how that went so amazingly. Um, the artist that he worked with on Bone Parish as well, just some outstanding stuff. And of course, the people that he's worked with over at Marvel and everything, really, really good artists. But let's talk about Arjuna's uh, characters here, how how he um, you know brings each of these characters to life and, and everything. I... I personally think the character design is done very well. I like the depictions and I like the realistic qualities of them for this kind of horror story. Mm. I think that it works really well. Bob, I want to talk about the prince. The prince looks so cool. He looks like a, I don't know, like a creepier like Moon Knight or something. But he, uh, you know, to me, um, you know, minus, minus the mask, mm-hmm. he, he reminds me of uh, V. Okay. From V for Vendetta. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, maybe like a nice like V, like Moon Knight type of crossover. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Such a cool-looking character, though. I really like that character a lot. It looks looks really good. There was a Kyle Hotz uh, variant cover that I saw that looked just outstanding with that character on it. I highly suggest seeking that out if you can find it anywhere. And, of course, this regular cover looks amazing as well, but... Um, but that Kyle Hotz cover looks really, really great with the character on it there. But yeah, I, I think all the characters work very well here. I think that, again, they're pretty like real-world depictions of people. 
And then once we get to that Prince character, who's more of like the creature monster type of character, he really, really pulls that off very well. And you can definitely tell by the design, or at least I can, you know, I can tell from the design of Marguerite. Mm -hmm. There's just something not right. Yeah, I agree. With that character. Yeah. There's more to her. Yeah, I'm scared what's going to unfold with her as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. I can't tell if she's, you know, the harbinger of something or, or I, I, I'm not sure. There's so much mystery here. There's so much mystery but it's mm-hmm. mystery that you definitely want to find out. It's not yeah. It's not uh, easily just to pass over and not care about. I, I think that, um, yeah, this is this is done really well. Let's talk about the locations then. I, I talked about them already kind of when we, when we discussed the world building. We really just have the theater and then the, the world that we're transported to as well as those couple of scenes outside and that's all. But to me, they're done wonderfully well. Um, they they look great, and I I talked about the claustrophobia that I get in the in the theater, and I just I can't imagine how they nail that through dialogue and art alone. I mean, you have this this theater that's so open, it's so huge. I mean, you're looking at this stage with these rows and rows of seats. And everything, but you still feel trapped in there. So I, I, I really, really like the art here a lot. See, and uh, a lot of the, a lot of it has to do, and I'm, I didn't, exa- I didn't exactly see who the if there was a colorist. Yes, a there separate is a colorist, colorist yeah. on this book. Okay, there's a separate colorist, and, and I believe it's Hillary, Hillary Jenkins, Jenkins. I believe. I think that that's what's credited on the preview site. But I did also see created by Hillary Jenkins, so I'm not too sure how to how to credit that, but I will check. Yes, on the on the inside of the book here, it does say written by Colin Bunn, illustrated by Arjuno Sassini, colored by Hillary Jenkins. So see, yes. and that and I think that Hillary Jenkins mm-hmm. should get a lot of credit. For the tone of this book. Oh, yeah. With her washed out. Yeah. You know, kind of darker colors, you know, especially when you get inside the Requiem. Yes. I mean, she uses a lot of darks and, um, you know, uh, grays and blacks. And that just, that just adds to the more ominous tone. Yeah, and I, I agree the. I didn't even notice. I, I'm pointing out I to you either. right now, Bob, as Jennifer's sitting in the in the theater, as she's sitting in the seats while they're rehearsing and she's reading the script, there's all these little demons in between the chairs and coming out from underneath her. And that's just uh, yeah. that's something I completely didn't notice. I believe that this book is just evolving in front of us as we're looking at it, to tell mm-hmm. you the truth. I think that now we're sucked into this world and we're cursed or something. This is a really, yeah, I, a I, really I, good horror book. I, I definitely glanced over that. Yeah, there's did, there's no way I didn't myself. notice that before the first time uh, viewing this. I, I can't believe that. But, but wow, yeah. Um, Let's. <laughs> well, I'm I'm amazed. Let's talk that about just the background. Makes the book even better. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about the background some. And again, that's that's kind of what we're doing right now is flipping through the book, just looking mm. at these backgrounds. Uh, fantastic. And yeah. and I have it open to an almost full page spread here. It has some panels in it, but it's 
open, but it, it's when the girls first encounter the castle and they're running through the storm and everything. It looks amazing. The level of detail here in this location uh, with it so washed out and so dark and, and raining and everything. Uh, again, you see every blade of grass, every leaf on the tree, every drop of rain. And I, you know, I must say, I mean, this goes with the backgrounds, mm -hmm. but this goes with the, um, this goes with the art also. Uh -huh. I mean, this, this spread of the castle kind of reminds me of that. And I'm, I'm going to sound like an eighties nerd on this, <laughs> but it reminds me of like that almost He-Man mm -hmm. style, Frank Frazetta yeah. style packaging. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I could definitely see like a, a Castle Grayskull right. back there in the mm -hmm. distance or something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, this, this such such a good artist yep. on, on this oh, book. Yeah. Such a good... T I will say this, and we talked about this when we were covering World Tree on the last episode, especially when we talked to Steve Fox about how they assembled the team for that book because that, that book required a, such a huge team. Now, here in this book, of course, it's written by Colin Bond with art by Arjuno Sisi, and then, um, or sorry if I said that incorrect, but uh, colored by Hillary Jenkins and then lettered by uh, Simon, Simone? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Simon Boland. Yeah, seems correct. Yeah, we'll go with Simon Boland. Um, this is just... This is like a dream team on this book. Everything works because of everything else. The it, man, this is this is this is really really good. This is such a good package here all together and and I'm really excited that they put it at 48 pages. I think that that was a, a really good I do too. uh decision as well. I think all the decisions made in this book are are very good decisions. So the last thing we're going to talk about on the book itself is the colors, and we've been mentioning it throughout, so we've got this <laughs> devoted you know, segment to it. But yeah, Hillary Jenkins, man, just works so well with the writing, with the art, with the whole tone mm -hmm. of this book, and, and really kind of setting the tone of this book. It yes. just, yes. yeah, this is, this is what you need a separate colorist for, is, is a book like this. This is really, really good. This is... Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it. I feel like a broken record just saying everything's good over and over again, but this is this is outstanding. This is very done very, very well. Whenever we get to the knives and the blood dripping from them and everything, and then we get that pool of blood and stuff, and it's so dark, and it could just blend into that background, but it doesn't because there's just enough there. And then even the character, uh, the set designer, talks about that mm -hmm. um, in the book itself how he wants to recolor the blades and everything so the light can shine on them differently and, and everything. Yes, I agree. Now, now again, here we are. We're, man, this, I, I'm telling you, Bob, this book is evolving before our eyes. This orchestra looks like an orchestra of demons or something. I, yeah, I, it's something yeah, I didn't they, see they before. Do, they, do look, <laughs> they do look dead, yes. Wow, this is, I mean, maybe it's just in a different light or something. But yeah, this is... This is great. I, I'm really, really liking this a lot as, as I'm looking back through it uh, again mm -hmm. for a third time. So mm -hmm. this is this is a book that I will absolutely be reading again before issue number two comes out to, to catch back up with it and see all the little things that I missed. Because so there's that stuff answer, in here. So that, answers our <laughs> so that answers our question about if we'll go on to issue two. 
Yeah, I think that it had to be implied whenever we started. But yeah, this this absolutely, yes, I will 100% be moving on to issue number two. I am, I'm honestly kind of sad that this is a three-parter, but hopefully it's just a nice, tight story and it wraps up in a satisfactory way and, and we're satisfied with that. But man, like if, if every issue, if the next two issues go like this at all, like there's no way that somebody doesn't option this and make a movie or, or a show or something. Yeah, something we, has to be done we, like this. We, we, can, we can talk up this book all we want on this uh, podcast, mm-hmm. but to actually do it justice, you have to go out and just read this book yourself. Oh, yeah, 100%. If you're not buying this book based on our review, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Look, if, we, if, if Colin Bunn couldn't sell you at Colin Bunn in the first place, then I don't know what your problem is. But if, if we're any factor in, in you deciding to go out and purchase this book or not, mm-hmm. absolutely 100% go out and purchase this book. Oh, yeah. This is I, I, very, I, very worth it. I am, I am definitely like... A... I'm definitely like Dan. The next time I go to my local comic <laughs> shop, I will be telling him, "Yeah, put me, uh, put me uh, issue two in the uh, in my poll, please." Yeah, yeah. Make sure issues two and three are in there, yes. please. Yes. For the love of God. Yes. <laughs> um, this is this is just so good, and uh, man, there's <laughs> what else can even be said? You you buy this book, you read it. Two, three, four, five times, whatever you're gonna see something different yeah, every yeah, time. Ex- you're ex- gonna get your money's worth out of this book. Exactly. I mean, you said you read it twice, and mm-hmm. you didn't see the demons in the seats. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, h- how often does that happen? <laughs> Hardly ever. You know. It's it's a great visual though. Yeah, how the arm how the armrests just uh-huh. morph into the demon arms. Yeah, I'm. I am 100% loving this. I think this is such a win for Ani Press, for, yeah. Oh, yeah. for Colin Bond, for the whole oh, creative yeah. team, for comic book enthusiasts, horror enthusiasts in general. And you will, you will definitely read this and think to yourself, how can this be from such a small publisher? It, I exactly. Mean, this, yeah. this seemed like one of the bigger ones. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is... This, I mean, Ooh. this definitely seemed like an image book. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, it seems up there, and I mean, it's just so well executed. Yeah, I, I think is is it one is. of the surprising things about it. You expect the editing to maybe be a little off or a little more amateurish or something on like a smaller press. Um, I I don't know. I I'm glad that this is done at Oni Press because I believe that that means the creative team kind of holds the rights to it. So. Good for them because I'm telling you, there's no way this doesn't turn into another form of media. And you also expect on a, um, you know, smaller book or a, or a smaller publisher, or at least I do, the artwork, the artwork to be kind of me. Yeah. Uh-huh. This no. This, no, this is top level talent here. It, yeah. it really is. It yeah. If really he's is. not working for Marvel or DC in the next couple of years, oh, then it, it, it just has to be because he doesn't want to. It, it, <laughs> it definitely won't be long. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, con- considering you know he's, you know, a couple of years younger than us, mm-hmm. he, a he has a bright future ahead of him. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm. I'm just. I'm so impressed with this book, and I could honestly just go on and on forever. So I will just take the opportunity to shut up. And I, w- but I will say in closing on it, on on our review of the book, please, 
go out and buy this book. Bob and I have no skin in the game, whether you buy this book or not. We are not uh, employed by Oni Press. We're not paid for reviews. We don't know Colin Bond or any of the creative team here. But I can say that the reason I want you to go out and get this book is, number one, it's fantastic. And I just want you to enjoy yourself and read it. But number two, we need more of things like this. We need more stuff like this out there in the ether, out yes. in the universe. Oh, yes. Um, so support this kind up, of It thing. breaks up the superhero monotony. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Yeah, and, and yeah, we need this out there. We need some really, really good A-plus content. So go out and support this creative team. Go out and support yes. Oni Press. Pick this up and, and definitely check it out. And, I, I mean, I could not give... Honestly, a more glowing review. If, if you're book. a fan of horror books, if you're a fan of horror mystery, if you're a fan of Twilight Zone, yes. which I know Dan is, <laughs> a huge fan, then you will. I mean, you will definitely get those vibes from this. Yes, yes, you definitely will, and and I can promise you, you will love this. I will shut up now. I won't say another word about it. Go buy this book. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we are back with the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. We're going to talk about some books that are coming out next week in your local comic book shops. Bob, what do you got for them? And again, like I always say, I always put a disclaimer in Ding, front of this. Disclaimer. These books <laughs> may or may not change their straight release dates. Dates. Now, I, th I think you're pretty golden with most of these. I looked them over, and I didn't see anything that should be subject to change. I know, well, maybe some of the smaller presses, but yeah. Well, again, these are always subject to change. Sure. <laughs> um, mm, from Marvel Comics, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 25... Which has a very cool Disney variant cover. Yeah, that's got a great Disney 100 variant cover on it mm -hmm. of the new Avengers with, who's that? We got Mickey in the lead right there as Cap. We got Donald Duck as, I don't know who mm -hmm. Donald Duck is playing. We got Minnie in the background. We got, what's the, what's the girl Duck's name? Now I can't remember her name. Uh, Daisy. Daisy Duck. We got Goofy somewhere and then there's. Some other figure there. I, I don't know who all these people are, but this looks cool. <laughs> it's a, yeah, the the goofy is Iron Man. It's, uh, it's, uh, is very cool. Yeah, that's that's a cool cover. I like that a lot. Again, I hope to get the one in 100 on that. But if not, I'll just get the colorized version. No, no worries. But yeah, this is, of course, taking place before the big uh, reveal in issue number 26, where we're going to find out exactly what Spider-Man did and who he did it to. So maybe you might want to pick that up. Yes. From DC, we have Batman Incorporated number eight. More Incorporated, more first full appearances of Joker Incorporated. And with... <laughs> some, some of these names are... Some of them... Humorous. Bob, we've got Tap Dance Man, <laughs> Corvus Crawl, The Ghoul, Alpaca... Dusty Bronco and I die, die, die laughing. laughing. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I won't be able to pronounce that. But, uh, die laughing. Wow, that's 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 a name. I guess. From Boom Studios, we have Ghost Lord number one. Man, I I'm excited about that one. I think that it is written by Colin Bunn as well. From what I've 
remember. Yeah, it is written by Colin Bunn with art by Brian Hurt. I'm excited about that one. That's The solicit says that it's an estranged daughter and her pastor father wander into a haunted land with only restless spirits, each with their own story to tell as company along the way. That sounds cool. And as we noted on this episode, Colin Bunn, a master writer lately, doing yes. some really standout stuff. Yes. Um, from Opus... We have Within Temptation number one. Is this the first, like, non-music-related uh, opus book that's been released? Because if you recall, all of their books have been, like, either an existing band, like Halloween or Evanescence or whatever. Right, right. They're, like, uh, they're doing stories on them. And then their original stuff is music-related. Like, they have the Monsters of Metal, and they have... Uh, it always has, like, a music theme... And this one, the solicit just says that in the future, a battle rages between two species, an advanced humanoid species ruled by a techno-organic... Matriarch. Okay, matriarch against a cruel race of alien artificial intelligences. So it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with music. So I'd be no. interested to see if there's some undertone once you read the book, or maybe some of that's based on a song or something. I don't know. Usually they're just very music-based, so interesting. From Marvel Comics, we have Silk number one. Yeah, new volume of Silk. And Bob, I suggest you click on that variant and check out that David Nakayama 1 in 25 incentive. This is a really nice variant. I really like that one a lot. I'm going to try to get my hands on a copy of that because that is a just, it looks great. I really like it. Very interesting variant. <laughs> uh, also from Marvel, we have Extreme Venomverse number one. Come on, Bob, you didn't say we're extreme! Snap into a slim jim. <laughs> yeah, that's got an anthology of stories. The, a, the X isn't big enough and extreme. Yeah, well, true. I, I agree with you. It's all just capitalized. An anthology of stories featuring alternate reality versions of Venom and a first appearance of Venom as a samurai. So that's Now, cool. that could be kind of cool. I want that as an action figure. Yeah, Venom samurai. I agree. That's really yes. cool. It's like the turtle samurai figures. Yes. <laughs> From uh, back to DC, we have Spirit World number one. So Spirit World is a six-issue limited series. Again, from DC Comics, we have Green Lantern number one. Bob, didn't we just get a Green Lantern number one like two weeks ago? I believe we did. I'm very confused by this. <laughs> this one could be a mistake. Yeah, well, again, DC is a very confusing comics company. Maybe uh, hopefully not anymore. <laughs> a, a, yeah, hopefully Jim Lee will rein everything in. I hope so. Mm. Uh, spinning out of the pages of Batman White Knight, we have Batman White Knight presents Generation Joker number one. <laughs> that's a nice title, Bob. That's a that's a mouthful. That's a six issue limited series in Sean Murphy's White Knight universe. And it features a coming-of-age supervillain tale starring Jackie and Bruce, the children of Harley Quinn and Joker. Just what we need. More Bat family, extended <laughs> family, people that have the same name and all kind of shit. So, <laughs> will they fight Batman Beyond? I, I don't know what they're going to do, to tell you the truth. I assume that there will be like a baby Batman that they have to fight. <laughs> and Maybe Batmite will come out of nowhere and... Uh, and It'll just be that kind of thing. Who knows? Possibly. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, from Marvel, we're getting another um, 
reprint, we're getting X-Men number one reprint. So haven't we discussed at length before how X-Men number one is like the highest printed comic of all time or something? How, why do we need a reprint of it? Where can you not find a, a copy of this? It has uh, risen up in value, so I'll give it that. But And you missed your really great segue of saying, speaking of Jim Lee, because... Uh, good point. Good point. Good point. I'm not. I'm not gonna do it again because that would defeat the purpose. <laughs> hey, we're not a live podcast. Nobody will know. I'll. I'll edit it and post. I'll just have you say in my voice. Speaking of Jim Lee, and then you'll say, X Men number one, <laughs> and but, everyone will laugh and have a great time. But yes, this might be the most printed comic book in history. Yeah, and now it's uh, coming back for a second print, so that's nice. That and okay. it's four other variants. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, those variants. I like the regular cover. How about you? You have a favorite? Um, probably this one and which one was it? The one with uh, Colossus on the cover. Oh yeah, that was a nice one too. Yeah, but I, I, I'm I'm a fan of the regular A cover. I think it's done very well. And with that being said, Bob, what book are we covering next week? From Scout Comics, Quicksand number one. Exciting, exciting news. I don't know that we've done a Scout Comics book yet. Maybe we have, but I don't feel like we have, so... We've tried, but yeah. <laughs> it hasn't worked out. Oh, that's right. They had delay issues. Yes. So hopefully no delay issues. We'll pick a backup if not, but hopefully it is quicksand number one. Guys, make sure that you follow us on social media. We are at Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. On Twitter at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod. On TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod. And the comic book channel on YouTube. Of course, this and every week, all you have to do is use our hashtag all new, all different nation on your social media of choice to be entered in our weekly giveaway where we will be giving away a copy of this new number one book. And that's all we got for you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time.